Hey everybody, welcome to a special episode of the So We Speak podcast. We're releasing this on Monday afternoon uh, after recording it today. And we got a lot of texts and emails over the last week about the uh, Bethel Church and Bill Johnson, specifically his, his Instagram video, explaining that they are praying uh, that a two-year-old, Olive, would be raised from the dead. And uh, this has been big uh, on social media, and I think a lot of people have been wondering about it, probably praying and thinking about it, and we just want to spend a moment talking about it. Uh, but first of all, we want to talk about the family. Yes, and uh, simply to say this, that we have gotten a lot of questions. People are concerned, disturbed, encouraged, wondering how do we understand this. It's a very a typical thing to read about in the news and for Christians to do. And we'd like to talk about that. But first, there's no denying the grief that this family is undergoing and their church family is undergoing. And it has been our prayers, yours and mine, have been for the Holy Spirit to comfort these families and to give them support in this time of grief. I cannot uh, say that I know firsthand what it's like to lose a child. I've walked with several people who have, and it's just, it just has to be one of the most difficult things to do and, and can be challenging to our faith. Mm-hmm. But it's our prayer for the uh, comfort and support of that family. But, you know, I don't know if people know very much about Bethel. It's not a coincidence that, that this particular thing comes out of a movement like Bethel. Perhaps it'd be good to sketch the background a little bit. Yeah, I think the first big question is, why is this such a big deal? Yeah. Um, not in a condescending way to be like, why do we think this is a big deal? Like, it right. is a big deal. But why is it such a big deal? And the first thing would be, I, I think a little context about Bethel would be really helpful here. And if you listen to the, to the briefing, which is Al Mohler's daily podcast, last week he did an overview of Bethel. I'd encourage you to listen to it. He's coming at this from somebody who does not share the charismatic uh, distinctives that Bethel does. Right. And I think most people that have encountered Bethel probably do not come from the same theological tribe that Bethel does. Bethel is ultra charismatic. If you read the things that Bill Johnson has written and spoken on, uh, most people are going to be pretty shocked about the yes. things that they believe. Of course, the things that get play in broader Christian circles are things like gold dust at their worship services or fire tunnels or things like that that just sound really off the beaten path unless you're from a really charismatic background, charismatic right. church. So most people probably came into contact with Bethel through their music. They've written a lot of good music, Jesus Culture, Bethel, um, a lot of really famous songs have come from them, and 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 then affiliated people like the Torwalds, who who've written a lot of good music. Uh-huh. And so, if you're coming at this from that standpoint, where you only knew Bethel worship and their songs are really good, and now all of a sudden you hear that their pastors trying to raise somebody from the dead, that, you're going to think this is really strange. Yes. If you're coming from a charismatic background and you encounter the fact that Bethel is praying for a little girl to rise from the dead, you're thinking to yourself, this is one of the more normal things that Bethel has ever done. Um, in fact, this... I, I, I agree. This is actually not the most uh, surprising thing that most people would encounter. It's not even remotely close to the most surprising thing that, right. that Bethel has engaged with. They're, they have a special brand of what I would call charismatic with a taste of prosperity gospel. Right. They aren't Paula White on the one hand. They right. aren't Benny Hinn. 
But then again, they're not you know, what you would think of as a little bit more mainstream charismatics. Maybe somebody like Sam Storms or somebody that's a part of the Gospel Coalition that is right. charismatic. They're out there in terms of most people's experience. And so when you have that background coming to an issue like this, they're thinking about this pretty differently than most Christians are probably right. thinking it's about. It's a good it. observation. Um, not at all to say that uh, just because they are this a specific brand of charismatic that they're wrong about it, but just that their approach to this may be a little bit different than most people's. Um, what I really want to talk about with this issue is, is it okay to pray for someone to rise from the dead or not? And why would we think that? I, I'll just lay this out there on the table. I agree with Bethel on this topic. Of mm-hmm. course, I share a theology. You can look at our series of blogs from last year on cessationism and, and being charismatic. And Of course, I'm sympathetic to the charismatic gifts being operated in the church and, and all that. My caution, though, is why do they believe that we should be praying for someone to rise right. from the dead? So maybe from your perspective, why would we pray for someone to rise from the dead? Is that okay to do? Should we do that? Should we not do that? What do you think? Well, it's a good question. First of all, the key question is, do you believe God can raise people from the dead? I think we both would say we certainly do. I mean, there's certainly uh, evidence of that in the past. That's not the key question. The key question is, will God raise someone from the dead? And that has a couple of different answers. Uh, one of which to me is, well, first of all, there's absolutely nothing wrong with praying because Jesus tells us to pray for the things we want as long as we understand thy will be done, not mine. Right. I mean, that's the balanced view of prayer is ask for what you wish. But then at the same time, you get James saying you ask and you don't receive because you ask for your own passions and lusts and desires. Mm -hmm. And so we obviously want to line our ideas up with the will of God. Having said that, we should pray for what we want, period. Right. So there's nothing, in my view, there's nothing wrong with praying that. It opens a bigger question to me, and that is when you get to the question of will God do this, my answer is God will do what serves God's purposes, right. not what serves Terry's, uh, my desires for whatever reason they may be. But, you know, a question that comes up then, and I hear this from a lot of people, well, Jesus did it. Uh-huh. And some of the early disciples, we have a couple of examples of that, that they were able to do this. Why then shouldn't we be doing this? Maybe the question of if Jesus did it, we should also be doing it. Mm-hmm. How would you respond to that idea? That's a big that's a big issue with all charismatic theology, all use of the gifts, and uh, especially when it comes to something like this that's just so abnormal from the culture. Because a lot of Christian culture overlaps nicely with what you would just do if you weren't a Christian person. This does not overlap at all. I mean, in fact, this is just completely bizarre to a non-Christian that you would think about this. But in the worldview of Scripture, people do rise from the dead, whether that be the temporary uh, reawakening rise from the dead that we think about with Elijah and with Jesus and with Peter, or the ultimate resurrection from the dead where we all will rise from the dead. That's part of our worldview. That's part of the universe that we live in is people do rise from the dead. Right. And uh, the more specific question is, do we expect to do and see all of the things that we see in Scripture? And I think the answer to that has to be no. There are specific times 
and opportunities where God does things that are descriptive and they certainly testify to what God is capable of doing. Right. But they do not provide an eternal mandate that it is God's will in every situation that that happen. So, for example, we look at the story of Lazarus, mm-hmm. and Jesus says, you, know, you are about to see the glory of God. And he proclaims in that moment, I am the resurrection and the life. But nowhere do I think that that story necessitates that when Mary or Martha died, that they expected to rise from the dead like their brother Lazarus did. They show no evidence of that. Or when Lazarus died again after that, talk about a raw deal, uh, he has to die again. Do we think that anybody thought that the disciples were going to raise him from the dead after that? Right. So there's nothing in Scripture that that, that lets us believe that just because it has happened once means that it is God's plan to happen every time. I'll give you another example away from raising the dead is the feeding of the 5,000, feeding of the 4,000. My view, and I think just a biblical view, is that that happened for a specific purpose. Jesus was sending a really specific message at that time. If we said, but that's, wait a minute, that's normative. Right. Then you would have a hard time explaining why there's hunger in the world today. It would right. you would have to lay it up to Christians just not having enough faith to go multiply the loaves. Well, that's not a very reasonable point of view. It's really obvious that you're not understanding the scripture correctly. So I agree with you that everything Jesus did is uh, does not mean it's normative or prescriptive for us today. Now, of course, we believe it's possible. Of course, and, you know we may not know the purpose that that God has for something, so we pray for it. Um, I think there the the holdup that I would have is when you get into a place, and sometimes you hear this in charismatic word of faith churches, certainly you hear this with Bethel, uh, although I think they handled this situation pretty well. You hear things where people will say it's never God's will for people to be sick or to die. And uh, God has already guaranteed healing, for example, is something you hear people say. Or it's God's will that everyone would be healed every time, and, and it depends on your faith as you pray for it as to whether or not he will do it. That's not at all the picture we get in Scripture. Um, right. it is, now, we can, we can argue about what we think the word will actually means, whether it's God's ultimate will or his immediate will or his proximate will. or you know, all, we, we can get into all that. But uh, it is clear in the New Testament that suffering and death are in the will of God. Right. And that is um, part of life that is a consequence of the fall. And, of course, there's all kinds of philosophical difficulties in explaining exactly why and how that is. But one of the things we know for certain is that Jesus says, you're going to have trials in this world. Peter says, if you're going to be a Christian, you're going to be persecuted. Paul's life is one big testament to the fact that you can be ultra, ultra faithful and you can know the will of God and you can be doing it. And yet you can still suffer profoundly in ministry. So uh, I, I think my final thought is I think Bethel handled this pretty well. I don't think there's anything wrong with praying for people to rise from the dead. It, I would I would be worried if the church had imposed this on the family. Right. Whereas in this situation, it just so happened that the family asked the church to pray for this. The other thing I would say is I think they did a good job of setting a time frame and praying and then moving on. To There's a statement they put out on Saturday that said, The breakthrough we have sought hasn't come. With the same heart of confidence in God's goodness, we receive the comfort of the Good Shepherd as Andrew, Kaylee, and Olive's big sister, Elsie, their family, and our church walk together through the valley of the shadow of death. And so, 
we are moving towards a memorial service and celebration of her life. I think that's a good way to do it. They are asking God for something. God does not raise Olive from the dead, and they are going to praise God and thank him for whatever other purpose he has in this. As hard as that is to fathom, I don't want to take anything away from the pain of the family. Right. But understanding that God's will is sometimes different than ours, sometimes he has things in store that we don't expect, and sometimes he sees further into the future than we do. And I think they did a pretty good job of honoring that. I would largely agree with that. I'm probably more critical of this than you are because it was played out on social media. Uh, I think that's very different than going to your church family. Mm -hmm. And so I think one of the questions that I've been asked is, well, are we being bad parents if we don't pray for our child to be raised from the dead? What if that's possible? Here's the... Here's the, uh, I wouldn't prescribe to tell someone you should or you should not, but I will say this. One of the things I read, uh, I believe I heard it, I believe I read it, is that the idea that there are people who die before God's timing. Uh huh. And I vehemently reject that idea that there, that per, this child or some other child died and oh no, it got away from God. This was evil triumphed here. And this was not, you know, it was, was, God was, this is not what God had in mind. And, and it happened because somebody was more powerful than God. I vehemently disagree with that. Right. I believe God is the God who architects all circumstances for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Agreed. Thanks for listening to the So We Speak podcast. If you like what you hear, go ahead and leave a comment, leave a review, email us, tell us what you like about it, tell us what you'd improve about it. Thanks to all you guys who are listening, and we'll see you next week on the So We Speak podcast.